You're listening to the Scott Thompson Show podcast on 900 CHML. All right, earlier today, an announcement dropped calling on the government uh, and parties to act now on vaping issues due to the first case of vaping-related illnesses here. To talk more about all of this, Cynthia Callard is with us, Physicians for a Smoke-Free Canada, and is on the line now. Cynthia, thanks for the time. Much appreciated. Thank you. It seems that we're talking, we've been talking a lot about vaping, uh, I guess, for a while, but now we're talking more about uh, health risks and, and incidents that have happened. Give us a bit of an update. Where are we? What do we know about these situations where there's been people hospitalized regarding vaping? Well, I must say we have not focused as much on these sudden acute respiratory issues. They, this summer they emerged initially in the, in the United States and they drew kind of a, a second prong of concern. We've primarily been concerned about young people becoming addicted to these products and using them for a long time and experiencing the long-term health effects like increased risk of cardiovascular disease, etc. What we understand now is that Canadian uh, uh, health officials like the uh, provincial minister, Ontario provincial minister of health, are requesting physicians and other treatment facilities to provide information whenever there is a, a an illness that seems like linked to vaping products. As a result of that, we we do actually expect that there will be more reports, and that maybe this problem had been hidden from us just because there was no official system of reporting it. So uh, again, these devices have been around for a while. Have we been doing enough to monitor this? It seems like we're playing catch up. Well, they, vaping devices have been around for a while, but the devices that we're dealing with now have only been around for about a year. The, the federal law changed in May of 2018. Up until that time, vaping products were sold on a gray market, and they weren't actually legal, but they were sort of tolerated. Um, when the law was changed, then the big uh, tobacco, big nicotine companies came in with a very different styles of products. The products that are on the market now have about three times as much nicotine as they did a year ago, and they have a different kind of nicotine. They have a nicotine that ha- has a different molecular structure even. It's been treated with salts so that it is processed. It ends up reaching the brain faster. So it's a much more powerful, more rapid drug hit, which has very serious implications for addiction and for long-term use. So are you saying, other, Are you saying? Uh, just let me interrupt for a sec, are you saying that, that there's been changes in the last year or so uh, which have contributed to these injuries that we may be seeing? I'm not sure that, no, I, I don't know which products right. are causing that. The changes in the market have resulted in more kids using the products. Why it is that, what, what, is, what the relationship is between the use of these products and these, these um, sudden lung problems is not clear. It could just be that there's more users and therefore if it's only one in a million, then there's still right. so many kids using them that you get more. Or it could be that there are specific products and specific ways that our kids are using them. Mm. Some people are concerned that they're tampering or adding other things. At this point, I think we don't know. So um, what, what we should do be concerned with is the effects we do know, which is of, of the just long-term use of nicotine and of inhaling propylene glycol and glycerin. Uh, we've heard reports that... Um that it's not necessarily the device, but perhaps the product that they put in it. Um, and you were suggesting that, you know, changes to products may have contributed to this. Is it about the device? Is it about the, uh, the act of vaping? Or is it the product that's put in that seems to be causing concern? 
Well, I've noticed very quickly a desire of those who manufacture these products to say that it's not their products that are responsible. It's because somebody's not using the product properly or that they're tampering with it or it's some other product. And I think this shifting the responsibility away from the, the uh, um, is a real risk that we would can take to sort of suggest that there are some good vaping products and some bad vaping products. All of the products on the market at the moment are a risk to health. Some people are of the view, and I would support the uh, openness to the view, that it may be um, less harmful for a smoker to move to those products as completely or to quit smoking uh, as a way to quit smoking. For young people who are using them who aren't smokers, there is nothing but risk involved. Um, Whether or not the risks are higher for some products or others, that's a research question we haven't got answered yet. Uh, is there, and you sort of touched on this, is there one vaporizer, and I know you're, you're condemning them all unless they're being used to, to get people off smoking, but is there one or a vaporizer that's better than the other? Are there types of vaporizers that are particularly harmful, or are, are they all basically the same? No, there is a type that's particularly harmful to young people, and that's the jewel type or the imitators, and each of the tobacco companies has launched products that do imitate jewel and the reason they're more dangerous for young people is as follows the old ones were kind of had tanks they're a little bit cumbersome these new ones are so small and discreet that you can hide them from teachers you can hide them from your parents they come with uh, nicotine as i said it's far more uh powerful they come with 59 milligrams of uh, nicotine per milliliter instead of 18 or 12 they've got much more nicotine and they come with nicotine salts and they're marketed to make them trendy so this is kind of what we had with cigarettes. Is that tobacco companies want to make them cool. They want to make them affordable. That's an, uh, they want to make them flavorful. They want to make them uh, fun for kids. So these are like starter products. And, and it's, it's, the, it's the attractiveness of these products and their flavors and the price that makes them a, more of a risk to kids than the types of vaping products that were on the market two years ago. We certainly know what the tobacco industry has gone through and, and what has but put, been put in place, warnings, such, whatever, uh, different, different displays, packaging. Uh, we, we know it's done, what's been done with the tobacco industry. Why has the, the vaping industry not been held to the same uh, degree of scrutiny? Well, that's a the $64 million question, especially when they're the same companies. When you go into a convenience store in Ontario and you see behind you an ad for Logic Compact or for Vite or for Juul, those are all brands that are made directly by or made by companies that are owned by tobacco companies. So they've got the same marketing experts, the same profound knowledge of how to make a nicotine product optimally addictive for their business purposes. And uh, so what we were calling on today was for governments to put the same kind of rules on vaping promotions that we have on tobacco promotions. We're not asking for them to ban vaping products or stop adults from being able to purchase them in a large number of uh, outlets or whatever at this time. We're simply asking that we don't have the kind of billboards or uh, free giveaways or um, crazy flavors or cheap uh, discount, deep discount prices. Let's kind of have a, have a similar, use the same tools that we found so effective at reducing youth smoking rates. Cynthia, this kind of seems like a no-brainer. Do we need more research to prove this? I mean, is that what government is waiting for? Uh, uh, Again, it just seems like common sense here. Um, Are are they waiting for more research to come in to back these decisions up? 
I know I don't think there is any more research that's needed at this point, and I think that they would agree with that. I think what we're missing now is, I think what we were missing a few months ago was a political will to do it before the election, and I think what we're missing now as people are dealing with these very scary headlines is a political opportunity because Parliament isn't setting and government doesn't function. That's why we're asking the next government, whoever it is, to bring in an interim order. There's a special power under the Department of Health Act that temporary regulations can be put in place for one year while permanent ones are being built. And our request to all political leaders today was for them to commit to doing that when taking office within the first 60 days of taking office. Uh, the fact that, as you mentioned, a lot of these products are are produced by traditional tobacco companies, to traditional old tobacco companies, didn't that raise any red flags? I mean, you know, it would be it would be pretty easy to think that, you know, wow, well, this is a bit of a break for the tobacco industry because here's something that still is, has, a, has a gray area and isn't really heavily regulated yet. So they'll just move, you know, uh, just sort of take Peter to pay Paul here. I, I say it did, it did raise red flags. I think this problem was entirely predictable. When the law was being uh, reviewed in Parliament, there were backbenchers from all political parties who were saying, no, 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 don't do this. This is too, uh, don't, this law has too many loopholes that can be exploited by irresponsible companies. Sadly, those voices weren't heard. Uh, uh, at the end of the day, the bill that was passed gave sweeping uh, marketing powers to these tobacco companies. Uh, and, you know, it's, there's some times when you just don't want to say you were right, and this is one of those times. Uh, we certainly know how people's attitudes have changed towards smoking over, you know, the last several decades. And, and, and really, when you think about it, it's quite a, a formative change that people have made in their lives. And, and, and obviously, for a positive, uh, you know, a positive, uh, healthy lifestyle and such. Are you surprised that after doing that much work and getting so many great results from getting people off of smoking that we find we that we find ourselves where we are now? I do find it surprising. I've been working on uh, tobacco control issues since 1985. So I've sort of seen, you know, various waves of action. This is the first time that we've ever experienced this kind of setback. And when I tried to think of why it was, I think in part, maybe people were just too confident of the progress that had been made and, and felt that it was uh, permanently achieved instead of understanding that with every new generation comes a new mm. vulnerability and new risks. Yeah, I mean, did anybody ever anticipate, did anybody see this coming? Did anybody realize that kids would get hooked on this after knowing that smoking ain't cool anymore? They found this cool. There were people who saw it coming, and they said, watch out. And those with uh, authority said, no, 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 you're being over, you're overreacting. And um, uh, so uh, I think what, hopefully, uh, that will help people understand that we need to move quickly now and um, repair the damage that was done with this law last are, year. Are you concerned that we may end up exactly where we were before with vaping and even legalizing cannabis? I mean... How does that fit into this discussion? Well, cannabis is a, a, a kind of an, a, a joint issue, really, especially as there's going to be regulations coming into effect with respect to the cannabis vaping and edibles and so forth. I think um, I, I am worried, um, but I'm also confident. I think people understand the need to protect themselves from 
um, companies, the unscrupulous marketing by companies. I think we have, it'll be easier to get regulations than maybe it was in the 60s and 70s and 80s when people first tried to get restrictions on tobacco promotions. Uh, and I think that people, you know, Canadians are pretty sensible lot, and I think they care deeply about the health of children. And I think I'm hopeful that that this um, this problem will be sorted soon. Where do you think we'll be after, say, 20 years of cannabis use, 20 years of vaping? Will we be back to where we were in the 70s with the tobacco fight? Well, each drug, you know, cannabis, vaping, alcohol is another recreational drug that has devastating health effects. Each drug has its own risks attached to it and its own social and cultural role. Well, one thing we've learned is that things don't move quickly, you know, um, and <laughs> although they can get worse quickly, um, I, I do worry sometimes, uh, especially because we don't have any clear public health objectives that we can kind of direct ourselves towards. No one set an optimal level for uh, cannabis use or whether people smoke cannabis or take it in a less harmful form. Uh, it, it, vaping is considered a harm or reduced form of using nicotine compared with combustible cigarettes. But there's no strategy to actually get rid of the combustible cigarette, the most harmful form. And there's no real goals set for how to figure out whether it's harm reduction or not. So we are playing in a field that is complex and controversial, and that does make it sometimes harder to move forward. Cynthia, what do you want parents or kids to know about vaping? What message do you want them to take away from this? I think I think kids um, should be encouraged to understand that they are the target, that someone is out to get them to buy a product that, even if it doesn't hurt them physically, will end up costing them hundreds of thousands of dollars in their lifetime as they feed their addiction. And I think I would like parents to think, realize that it's not their job uniquely to protect children, but the children need to be protected within the community and that parents should talk to their children, but they should also talk to their MP. How long do you think before we, before there is no gray area, before we, we finally come up with guidelines for this? How long till, till that happens? I don't think it'll happen overnight. That's why we want to have interim rules in place that will kind of at least set a, you know, a, little, a dike, if you like, against this flood of marketing. Well, people do figure out longer-term uh, solution. I do think it should be possible to do it within a year to have clear rules that uh, address what people see as potential benefits from these products and that reduce the risks associated with them as well. Cynthia Callard has been with us, Physicians for a Smoke-Free Canada. Earlier today, an announcement dropped uh, calling on the government, par- on all government parties to act now on vaping issues due to uh, more cases of injuries uh, being reported. Cynthia, thank you so much for the time and insight. Good luck. Thank you so much. The Scott Thompson Show, weekdays from noon to 3 on 900 CHML.